The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by TIAA. TIAA makes you a retirement promise, a promise of a guaranteed retirement paycheck for life. Learn more at TIAA.org backslash promises pay off. LinkedIn presents. How would you suggest as a maven maker with a very neurodiverse, excitable brain, I find a way to move forwards with trust and peace? So how do you handle the dance between wanting to lead with your creative or artistic side and earning a grown-up worthy living? In the past few years, we have all been through a lot of upheaval. At the same time, this moment has really reawakened a burning desire to pursue creative passions. And it's a recipe for big life transition and potentially transformation. And that's certainly the case for our advice seeker today, Helen, who asks how can she make a meaningful living from her art and writing, pursue further studies, and honor her value around financial security. So after recently ending a long marriage and spending the past few years working to make ends meet, she has discovered her passion for writing, or rediscovered is more accurate. And after spending two decades studying human behavior and helping others through her work, Helen is now ready for a change, if she can figure out a way forward that satisfies both her soul and her practical needs. She wants to fully pursue her love of the written word by pursuing a master's degree in creative writing and well-being. But as someone living with ADHD, dyspraxia, and dyscalculia, Helen's neurodiverse brain makes her both excited by and fearful of stepping into an uncertain life, of following her passion without a guaranteed income. And her question for our Spark Brain Trust is, as a maven maker with an excitable neurodiverse brain, how can she move forward with trust and peace and fulfillment as she embraces writing as her soul's purpose for the coming years? And on deck with me this week from the Spark Brain Trust to help tease out what really matters and share insights and ideas is the founder of the Original Impulse Creative Studio and Atelier and coaching program for writers. She's also an author, workshop facilitator, trusted advisor, and coach, Cynthia Mars. So quick note, you'll hear us mention something we call sparkotypes in conversation. Well, what is that? Turns out we all have a unique imprint for work that makes us come alive. This is your sparkotype. When you discover yours, everything, your entire work life, even parts of your personal life and relationships even, they begin to make more sense. And until we know ours, we're kind of fumbling in the dark. And just like today's listener did, you can discover your sparkotype for free at sparkotype.com. You'll find a link in the show notes. And hey, if you'd like us to answer your question on an upcoming episode, you can also find a link to submit your question to the Spark Brain Trust in the show notes too. Now, on to Helen's story and question. I'm Jonathan Fields, and this is Spark. Hello, magical people. I'm Helen Grace. My pronouns are she, her. I've been in the world of your work for a great many years and I love the sparky types. I am currently in a situation where I'm making quite a big life change, having very recently discovered that I have 
been living unknowingly for 52 years with inattentive ADHD. I also have dyspraxia and dyscalculia and I am a very classic maven with a shadow sparky type of a maker and I've been doing my own thing, following my curiosity, studying, learning, diving deep into my lifelong obsession with learning what makes humans tick and learning how to help myself and others kind of get out of our own way so that we can get what matters done. I've been diving into this world for a very long time, two decades to be precise. It's taken me on what I would consider a wibbly wobbly winding journey and I now know with this context of knowing that I have what I'm calling my magical brain, I now know that I've essentially spent my entire solo working career learning about and studying and teaching and working with the things I've actually needed most for myself as well. So um, I'm currently in a place where I began life again three years ago, having unfortunately reached the end point of my marriage. I've spent the last three years during the pandemic grieving that long marriage, starting again on my own in a new town and really having to go into survival mode. So having to get work for the first time in 20 odd years and actually press pause on my own business and my own work. And my question with this new insight is really what I know I want to do as all, as a lifelong writer who is about to finish edits on her second book. I would really love to now honour little Helen by working with my brain and pursuing the thing that lights me up more than anything else, which is writing. I love words. I love learning, but I adore writing. And I, I really feel like I want to go all in on diving deeper into that world. I really want to do the masters that I've wanted to do for years. And that's a creative writing and well-being masters. And my brain, whilst it's excited about this, is also freaking out at the idea that I'm going to jump off the edge of a cliff into a place in my life where I'm following my passion, but without any guarantee that I can also provide for myself because I've never yet cracked the code on making a sustainable living, doing what I love, unless I've worked all the hours that God sends. And so my question really is how, how would you suggest as a as a maven maker with a very neurodiverse, excitable brain, I find a way to move forwards with trust and peace and step into this third phase of my life in a way that really lights up my soul. Thank you for your insights. I am excited to hear what you can share with me. Thank you. The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by TIAA. In the last 100 years, we've seen financial markets swing, new currencies come and go, decades of savings lost in days, all showing that a retirement plan without a guarantee, quite simply, isn't enough. 
So more than a retirement plan, TIAA makes you a retirement promise. A promise of a guaranteed retirement paycheck for life. A promise that pays off. Learn more at TIAA.org backslash promises pay off. Hi, I'm Tomer Korn, LinkedIn's Chief Product Officer. On my podcast, Building One, we dive deep into what it takes to build great products. Recently, we had Zach Perret, the CEO of Plaid, and he shared about his struggles building a financial app for consumers and how he was able to turn it all around with a critical pivot. Take a listen. I personally couldn't resonate as much with the consumer set that we were trying to reach. I just didn't have that level of empathy. When we made the shift to building a B2B product though, I was building the product that I wanted. My co-founder and I were creating the product that we wanted ourselves, and we had so much empathy for what that product was. Such a great insight. You know, in that sense, we got lucky because we were, we were creating a thing for ourselves. And then the people that we were talking to also had the same problems we did. They were fintech developers. We'd been a fintech developer. Uh, we'd been trying to build a fintech product for a year. and so. We had such deep empathy. We had such a clear ability to... If you want to hear more of Zach Perret's story and the lessons that follow, listen and subscribe to my podcast, Building One. Cynthia Morris, welcome back to this week's Spart, where we have the exciting opportunity to dive into a listener question from Helen. And I thought that you would be great to drop into this conversation with because Helen's conversation touches on, to a certain extent, curiosity around the writer's life and the intersection between being able to also support yourself in that life and also stepping into it from a place of neurodivergence. And all these things come together in really interesting ways, especially in this moment in time. And given your background, not just as an entrepreneur, a coach, a consultant, an artist, but a writer and a writer's coach also, I'm excited to dive in and just see where we go with this. So as Helen shares with us, just to sort of like as part of the setup here, her Sparkotype profile is the Maven, which is all about knowledge acquisition, a deep impulse to learn, 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 learn more. Her runner-up or shadow sparkotype, as we call it, is the maker. And that's all about making things, making ideas manifest. So these are the sort of like the driving impulses. And Helen's also in a moment in her life, you know, where there's a huge amount of change. And for those listening in, she has at one very particular thing that basically impelled this change or compelled it. But we have all been through just a profound shaking in the last three years. So in her case, it was the end of a marriage. And in many other people's cases, it was just a sense of complete upside downness, groundlessness, global pandemic, economic unsecurity. So we're all in this place of saying, huh, I'm not entirely sure which way is up, but I need to keep moving forward. So as we drop into this conversation, I want to talk about some of the details with you. Do you have any sort of like meta lens on this or like big, like a sort of like big things that immediately came to mind as you were thinking about Helen's moment and question? I loved listening to Helen's story about where she's at. And the thing that really was fun for me is listening to how her energy just went up when she started talking about what she wants to do with writing. Yeah. And that just that like soaring balloon of an open heart feeling that I got listening to her admit what she wanted and that she wants to go for it. And then the like snatching of the string of the balloon and pulling it down to earth, but I better, I've got to make a living with it. And I I get that, that need to be practical. And also this like 
daring hopefulness of wanting to go for it. So it's it's a challenging conundrum, and I look forward to diving into some possibilities that will hopefully help Helen see this challenge in new ways. And I also wanted to acknowledge just the, you, what you were talking about, this moment of radical change and how scary that can be. And it's that full possibility and also, oh no, <laughs> it's like this huge open landscape, what am I going to do? And that's why I think the sparkotypes are so helpful to people, like really using that as an inner compass to guide yourself. I mean, that's, I think, in large part why you created them for moments like this for people to steer themselves. Yeah, for sure. You know, and and when you're in a moment of, you know, I was going to say reimagining, and certainly um, Helen is in that moment, and so many of us are. Um, I'm honestly, I'm raising my hand here too. I'm in the middle of just reexamining a whole bunch of stuff, but reimagining always goes with, with that other word, reexamining. And it's sort of like reacquainting yourself with yourself. Um, and what's interesting about Helen to me was that it seems like she's always known that there's this thing, like this is not a new passion for her. It's not a new impulse for her. It sounds like it's something that has been there for a long time, but um, maybe she didn't really think about centering in the way that she's centering it now. And as you described, you know, this is coming at a moment where everything has been turned upside down, where um, it's almost like a bit of a, a blank slate moving forward, which is both opportune and for a lot of us, really scary, especially yeah. when there's no clear path and you're trying to figure out what's the first step. I really like the way you phrased that, though, the, the idea of reimagining. And I wonder how you see that working with a maven sparkotype, because I know the maven loves information and loves ideas and gathering things. How can the imagination work in favor of a, a maven? Yeah, and I think it, it's a great question. You're like, How does imagination work in the context of somebody who wakes up in the morning and loves to learn? And the answer is in every way, <laughs> all the time nonstop. Um, but sometimes that's also part of the challenge. And, you know, as Helen shared with us, um, like recently, she learned certain things about the way that her magical brain works, and it may be different um, than others. And in some ways that may help sort of like a more expansive lens of, oh, there's so many different things that I could potentially bring into my orbit to learn. And in other ways, it may also invite her to figure out um, to, or, or to need to figure out unconventional or different ways to be able to step into learning processes. And so I think part of it is about being a maven and using the imagination. And part of it also is, and, and full disclosure, I am not in any way, shape or form an expert in um, ADHD or neurodivergence or um, any of the actual experiences that she is talking about. I have explored it. I have had many conversations with these, but I, I do, don't have expertise in that field. I, I don't believe you do either. I um, don't. And I also, I wouldn't diagnose myself or think of myself this way, but I do know that I have a lot of interests and I follow them and it's not always to my benefit. So in terms of just focusing on one thing or being known for only one thing, I have never been able to do that. And I'm just still learning how to live with that. And especially within the context of having a business. So. Yeah. And I, and I think a lot of folks are going to nod along when you're saying that and say, yeah, yeah. there are <laughs> yeah. a lot of, a lot of, like, I, I, I know all the things I'm quote supposed to be doing, or I'm told is the most yeah. effective and direct path to get this outcome that I, I say I want. Yeah. And yet there is something in me that stops me from doing it. Um, 
And the question, like often I ask there is, you know, like, how's that working out for you? For some people, it's actually working out really well. They're like, I'm, I'm making a trade-off. I know I'm not getting to this super linear, hyper-efficient endpoint that I potentially could be more quickly and with more ease if I had sort of like taken this linear path. And at the same time, I'm, I'm okay with that trade-off because the joy that's coming into my experience from being able to actually greenlight these different paths and serendipitous travels that that actually more than makes up for it. Whereas somebody else might say, like, actually, I, I make the opposite calculus. That joy is actually landing as like a slight bump, but I'm really, really lamenting the fact that I didn't take that other path because I really, really see myself enjoying and getting a lot out of um, being in this place, which I know this is stopping me from getting to at a pace or in a way that um, I really yearn to explore. So I think it's, it's everything is a trade-off. You know, there's yeah. no right universal right path for everybody. For sure, no. But I think being yeah. intentional about it is really important. Yeah. And what what's important to you is the fundamental question we all have to answer. And it was only recently that I accepted the fact that I, Cynthia Morris, have made a lot of different things. And as a maker, that's that's great. It's like I've written books and produced programs and bodies of artwork and so much. And have I become like a supernova, successful, wealthy entrepreneur? No. And I've just come to accept and appreciate and really be grateful for the fact that I am the person who has made a lot of things. And that's that's who I am. And that's what I've done. And to, to just love that. So for Helen, I would really want her to just get clear about what's important to me about how I live my life on a daily basis. And I, I do have some specific thoughts about her desire to be a writer um, and to be paid for that. Should we dive into that? Yeah, let's do that. First of all, writing is just one of the coolest things because there's so many ways to write. There's this like multitude. By of- the way, can I just say like the change in your voice when you just started talking about writing was a little bit magical too. So, like, clearly right. there's, it, you are the writer saying writing is this magical thing. <laughs> it is. You know, I've wanted to be a writer my whole life and I studied journalism in college and I, you know, became a blogger. And so I... I can say I spend almost all day, every day at work writing and, and I'm, I'm a coach and I'm a facilitator. And so on the days when I'm coaching, I'm obviously talking and coaching, but on days when I'm not, I'm writing, I'm writing so many different kinds of things. So when I think about, and Helen didn't really specify, she's written two books, she's finishing her second book. So she didn't specify what kind of books those are, if those are novels or nonfiction and she mentioned creativity, but um, so because there are so many ways to write and kinds of writing, I don't know what kind of writing lights her up or what kind of writing she wants to do. But I would say that there are so many ways to write and be paid for it. And especially as a maven, thinking about writing for different projects, if she wanted to do copywriting or you sent me a link about a ghostwriter. Being a ghostwriter is a great way to get all involved in something in someone's life in a totally different way and then switch to something else. So I think writing is a great field for, for Helen who needs variety, who needs diversity and who has a different way of thinking. It seems like it it could be perfect 
what I think she might need to do is really open up the window of what that might look like in terms of specific kind of writing. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, and like you, I noticed um, we don't know exactly what kind of books that she has written and is, it seems like is just finishing off a second one now or what her sort of like approach to writing has been. But years ago, when I was just getting into the writing world, um, a friend of mine from back then who was, you know, a couple of years ahead of me. She was an author with some big books, um, nonfiction, sort of prescriptive wellness and health, which kind of seems like that's also part of Helen's interest here. She was talking to me about the writer's life and the way that she set up her life. And she basically said, she said, you know, I get a question in my head and a deep curiosity and I want to learn everything about it. And then I basically, I write the book because it serves as a funding mechanism for my curiosity because now I get to spend a year or two just going deep into this question, researching, learning, 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 and then sharing what I found out. That becomes a book and then I get paid to do that. So it was like this beautiful blend of the Maven side and the maker side and using one as a funding mechanism for the other. Um, and and she has continued to do that um, for two decades now. And it's an it's an interesting way to look at, especially if you're writing, think about writing nonfiction in any sort of prescriptive genre. And for you know, the blend of the Maven and the Maker, that dance can be really beautiful. Yeah. And I want to just add to that, that it does not have to be a book. A book is a long haul thing and it's a bigger sell. There are so many, and the payoff is, is, often very far away from the, the effort. So there are so many ways, obviously social media, having a Substack newsletter to put your ideas out there and kind of get a little more, a little spark of satisfaction more quickly than through a book. In terms of Helen's specific career and doing this for a living, things I would ask Helen if I were talking to her is I would ask her about what, how does she want to spend her days is it being alone with ideas, researching, or is it being with people? So how much time does she want to spend with people? What does that look like? When I was designing my career years ago, I realized I don't really like being in the public at the mercy of any random person. And I really liked one-on-one -on -one time with people. And as an introvert, I just love that. I love the kind of connection and intimacy that I can have with one-on-one. -on -one. So I know like, I would not thrive well in a... Um, in a job in an office environment where I'm surrounded by a bunch of different people. I would just would just struggle with that. So I designed something around that, knowing how I want to be around people, knowing that I need a blend of time alone to write and think and, and time with others. So I would be playing with that. Like what's her blend of people time versus alone writing time. And then the other question I had I, I want to know so much more about Helen than, than what she shared. She sounds like a really sweet and, and magical person. So I, I feel like the stuff that I'm saying, I hopefully will be hitting, hitting a good target with her. The question I have, I'm suspicious when, when someone says they want to go back to get a degree because a, that could cost a lot of money that she may or may not have access to. And B, is it really necessary for the kind of writing she wants to do? I'd really be clear about the kind of writing she wants to do and then amassing uh, some possibilities around how she can get those skills. 
It could be an internship. It could be a mentorship. It could be a six-week program. I just don't know how a degree program matches with with Helen's um, with Helen's experience and, and her style. I, she, that might be part of what makes her really happy is the idea of going back to school. But I would just question: Is that really necessary? Yeah, and I had a similar question around that. I think sometimes degrees can be fantastic, sometimes not so much, and sometimes they're a reason not to go and just do the thing. Yeah. And writing, sometimes, you know, like the degree experience can be incredibly helpful. What I've seen be more the case is that shows up when somebody is deeply interested in a fiction writing trajectory. Whereas, because, and that's what a lot of, at least from what I know in conversations I've had, a a lot of degrees are much more focused on that. Mm -hmm. Unless you're going to go and say do journalism or something that is like a completely different focus. So part of it, I think, would be like, what is the actual type of education? And what is the change in outcome that Helen believes that getting a, a higher education or a higher level degree would give her that she wouldn't be able to actually accomplish on her own by just devoting equal, if not more, amount of time, energy, and love to the process of developing craft, building relationships, actually being out there in the world doing the thing. Because sometimes I think we default to this, well, this is this is the path if this is what I want to be. and what we're seeing increasingly is that not for everyone and sometimes not even for most people, um, but we all tend to sort of fall into convention. Yeah. So I, I love what the, your invitation just kind of like really revisit. Is this really, does it, does it make sense? And what do I want out of it? What do I think I'd get out of it that I wouldn't or couldn't get had yeah. I just spent that same time and energy doing the thing in the world? Yeah, I'm just going to highlight and bold the way you said it, because I think it's really good. What is the outcome I'm looking for? That's a great way to start. And then how how can I get it? I did this a couple of years ago. I, I've always wanted to thought that I would be really into getting a, a degree in psychology and being a therapist. And I was always really intrigued by Jungian, Jungian psychology. I even found in a journal from like 20, 30 years ago that I wanted to go and get a degree in that. And so it just wouldn't go away. So I found um, a program that was just a year-long program just for anybody. It wasn't an advanced degree. It was like a tenth, like ten, ten times less cost and investment. And it was great. I did it and I hated it. I hated the unions. I was so academic and so not of the experience. I I was so glad I did it because I saved like, you know, a hundred thousand dollars that I didn't want to spend. So something like that could be great, just a shorter term program that doesn't have to have such an investment, but could give her all the, the information and experience that she's craving. Yeah, or or also even validate or invalidate her desire to actually then potentially commit to a longer term, much bigger and like more higher level investment or say like, no, actually, if I like piece together a couple of really cool workshops with some people and writers and teachers I I really admire, maybe that's actually going to get me um, exactly where I want to be. I had an interesting experience around that a couple of years back, I actually applied to um and was uh, gratefully accepted into one of the top positive psych um, graduate programs in the U.S. Oh. And I realized in really thinking about what I wanted out of it, because this would have been you know, like a couple years out of my life and quite a lot of money, um, 
that what I really wanted was access to the leading voices and thinkers and primary researchers in the field. And I realized through my own good fortune that like our sister podcast, Good Life Project, through that vehicle, I had that directly. (laughs) And without actually having to sit down with anybody else, but actually I could just sit down with these people one-to-one and go deep into exactly what I wanted to learn. So sometimes there are these alternate paths and mechanisms that we don't realize to get the insight and the wisdom that we want. I mean, this is part of what you do with emerging writers. I mean, this is part of your coaching practice. It has been for years, sort of like helping them tease out what is this thing in me? How does it show up in the world? And and how do I like how do I follow it to a place where it makes me feel good? Yeah. And really asking those questions about yourself and what's important and what do you want so that you can design your own program, so to speak. I love the idea of being an autodidact. And that's what you get to do. You're just like, I want to talk to this person. I'm going to read their book and delve into it. So in terms of, I think too, and let's see what you think about this. Writing is writing is an art form, a medium, like all art forms, a medium, like anything that the, the way you learn is by doing it a lot. It's a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of practice on the regular. And when you're able to put it out there, you're going to get a response, what works, what doesn't. And I've been writing my newsletter for 22 years, (laughs) publishing impulses. And that gives, has given me a lot of time to practice and try different things. And the Recently, so I've had to renovate it every you know five years or so. What do I want to write? How do I want to write this? What I did recently was I look at the newsletters that I love and that move me and that make a difference in my life. And I'm like, what are they doing and how are they doing it? And it was a level of honesty and transparency and um, humor and voice. And I was like, that's how I want to write. That's what I want to write. So I shifted my writing to make it way more personal and way more transparent. And ironically, those are the newsletters that people open and respond to more. I get so many more responses when I'm writing that way. And what I've learned is that really kind of not super comfortable for me to write that way, that in that personal of a style. It's a creative edge for me. I, I ultimately appreciate that because that's how I grow as a person and as a writer. So Helen might do that too. What are the who are the writers that she admires? What is kind of books or newsletters or articles really inspire her? And how can she study from that and learn from them her own style? Yeah, I love that. Um, you know, one of the things I also want to make sure we speak to is just some, something very practical. Helen is in a moment. Um, she's 52, coming out of a long-term marriage, feeling that she needs to be back in the workforce and doing something that is able to comfortably support her. So she is, and we don't know her, we don't know her background or her financial means, but let's make the assumption that, you know, the most immediate thing for her is um, focusing more on the, the lower, the lower rungs of Maslow's hierarchy, sort of like the basic safety sustenance, making sure her core needs are satisfied. The writerly expression side tends to rise up towards the top part of Maslow's hierarchy, the aspirational self-actualization, the expressive part of the human condition. They're both really, really important, but it's brutally hard to focus on the top until you've got comfort with the bottom. So in the moment that she's in, I would ask her, you know, like, do you feel like that is an urgent and immediate need? Do you have a couple of years of runway there? Like, Like, what's the honest assessment when you're thinking about this? 
because the pursuit of the writer's life, the creative life, the self-expressed life, the, you know, all those things is beautiful and amazing. And I'm all, all for, and if simultaneously you're really struggling just to cover your basic needs, it's, it's going to be brutally hard to feel yeah. like you actually have the cognitive and creative bandwidth available to you to actually live that, that, you know, expressive, fun, playful, open side, because you're constantly going to yeah. get dragged down into survival yeah. mode. Yeah. So I, I'm a huge fan of people saying, you know what, for a certain season, maybe it's a couple of months, maybe it's a couple of years. Um, what would it look like if I just got sort of like a, a work a day job that was where I knew it was defined hours. It completely took care of my core needs. So I just took it off the table. I didn't have to worry about it. It was a comfortable environment. It's not toxic. It's not overly draining. It's friendly. It's fine. And it's also leaving me with enough energy um, so that in like in the off hours, in the five to nine at night, in the times on the weekends, maybe during lunchtime, I've got I've got all the the time and the energy and the focus needed to then do this writing thing on site, knowing that in the moment the writing does not have to support me. Because when we layer that onto the writing process, it really changes what we write. And often it yeah. makes us center ourselves in a way where our best writing no longer comes out because we think we're trying to write to an, a market that is going to make us be able to sustain ourselves. And that can be a real double-edged sword. Yeah, there's so many different ways to to make this happen. That's one way to get the low-stress job that gives you leaves you with enough energy to create and write on your own. Another way is to find a job that may not look like it's writing, but includes writing. When I was younger, I worked at the bookstore, and I did a ton of writing for them. I wrote the newsletter. I wrote articles about books. So there are lots of ways to, to dial this in. And I think that if you know Helen knows herself well, or it seems like she knows herself well enough to know her temperament and her needs to really lay those out on paper. Like I can't, I can't work in a loud environment. I can't work with you know too many people. These are these are the kind of requirements, and then look at what kinds of income generating possibilities meet that. Yeah, love that. Um, well, I think we've offered a whole bunch of different ideas and possibly um, reframes. On this particular moment, Helen, I hope this is useful. I hope it's give you some jumping off points. Any final thoughts or words before we wrap up, Cynthia? I'm just looking at the notes that I wrote, and she did say that she wanted a guarantee to provide for herself. So that really speaks to your point about making sure those bases are covered. And I agree with you. I, I don't want to say it's impossible, but I think it is really hard to go up the chain in terms of being creative and playful and fun if you don't feel like your basic survival needs are met. So Helen also just, I'll just end with this. Helen started by saying, hello, magical people. So, mm, I, I love that, by the way. I was I like, I was yeah, like, clearly oh. she is magical also. And I was just like, that, that was amazing. If I were a cat, I'd be purring. Like, <laughs> so look for the magic, like let it be magical. There's a lot of like very real practical considerations that Helen is facing. And I believe in magic. I feel like there's been a lot of magic in my life that I haven't planned. So let there be magic. 
Mm, love that. And that is a great place for us to wrap. Helen, I th- hope you found some useful nuggets in there. Everybody else listening in who's just sort of exploring big transitions, I hope you found something as well. And we will see you all here again next week on Spark. Take care. Hey, so I hope you enjoyed that conversation, learned a little something about your own quest to come alive and work in life, and maybe feel a little bit less alone along this journey to find and do what sparks you. And if you'd love to share your own moment and question with us, we would love to hear from you. Just go ahead and click on the submissions link in the show notes to get the details on how to do that. And remember, if you're at a moment of exploration, looking to find and do or even create work that makes you come more fully alive, that brings more meaning and purpose and joy into your life, take the time to discover your own personal Sparkotype for free at Sparkotype.com. It'll open your eyes to a deeper understanding of yourself and open the door to possibility like never before. And hey, if you're finding value in these conversations, please just take an extra second right now to follow and rate Sparked in your favorite podcast app. This is so helpful in helping others find the show and growing our community so that we can all come alive and work in life together. Until next time, I'm Jonathan Fields, and this is Sparked.